of Brother Reg. I am joined with my very special best friend. Hi, I'm Sarah Lynn. I'm so excited to have Sarah Lynn. This is, she's been in a number of the episodes just kind of hanging out in the back, but we snuck down to the basement today to just create a special edition episode with just me and Sarah Lynn. And Rocco. And Rocco. Our little Rocco is, is hanging out. Last night, um, we normally make our, our podcast on either Monday or Tuesday night. But this last, last night in the middle of the night, I woke up and felt very strongly that I needed to create an episode and that I knew exactly what it needed to be on. And so I took some notes and even though it's taking tons of my guts to move forward with, with what's on my mind, I'm excited to go over it. You've got a lot of guts. I do have guts. (laughs) And so Sarah Lynn is, um, Sarah Lynn is on the track today and she's also going to be doing, um, all the post editing for us and trying it. So we're excited. But last night, um, when I woke up in the middle of the night, I was thinking about mentorship and the power of mentorship. And I wanted to share some of my thoughts, not only about what mentorship is, but also, um, two, two incredible couples that have been the greatest impact on me in terms of mentorship for my entire life. And so I hope to not only transition from that, but also to share with you about some practical information on, on how to be more effective in your relationships with others, especially in regards to mentors that make a big difference in yours. Um, about, let's see, I think four or five years ago, uh, one of my one of my favorite past students, Doug Furness, gave me this really cool frame. Sarah Lynn, do you remember that frame? It had the two guys from Suits, the yeah, TV I show. Yeah, I remember that. The quote on it, um, and Doug signed it, which I loved, but a quote on it said, one good mentor could be more informative than a college education and more valuable than a decades of income. I love that. I think that's true. I think it's true too. I was, I was really, I felt grateful that Doug gave that to me. When it comes to college graduation, most of the time people receive gifts and it says a lot about Doug that he took the time to, yeah. to share something so, classy. so important. Very classy. I loved it. I, so, so first I, I want to talk in detail about these two couples. Um, one, the first I want to talk about is, and I hope they don't mind me sharing their names, but they mean that much to me that the world should know how amazing they are. Um, the first couple I want to talk about is, is the Andersons, Leland and, and Shirley. The, the Andersons I met when I was 19 years old and they lived in Aberdeen, Washington. And at the time I was serving as a full-time representative for my church and they lived in the area and I just kind of met them and I felt instantly kind of a kindred, uh, what's the fancy word? Kinship. A kinship with them. And I felt like they, they took me in as their own, which was totally needed and, and really helped shape, shape a lot of my beliefs. Um, to this day, I think whenever I receive a compliment from someone that has to do with any of my stylistic ideas of teaching or mentoring, I can really trigger and kind of think back memories that really shaped me from the two of them and their, and their style and love for me. Um, and I think that really you think we both think about them on a regular basis, the things that you say, sometimes the quotes that you say, or 
we we talk about them. It's amazing that 20 years later, 21 years later, that we're still we still love them so much and still talk about them and the things that you learned and that now I've learned from them. And, and it's, and I, I think what I love about it is it's not, it's not something it, it's so ingrained in me that I don't even think of it as something that's learning from them. It's yeah, just a it part just, of you now. Yeah. So yeah. Um, students regularly attribute whenever I give the phrase, um, I know you don't know, I know you don't <laughs> know, but if you did, what would you say? That's a hundred percent Leland. And I think it's definitely a hundred percent you. And I even use it now with our kids. <laughs> so some of these, some of these phrases, I, I learned a lot of powerful phrases. Um, well, that, that one is probably the most recognizable for people, but I also, one of my favorites, um, that Leland always say, he said, buy the best cry only once. And we say that a lot. <laughs> we do. So you you can buy you can buy the Payless shoes or you can buy the Walmart shoes for twenty dollars and cry every time that they're broken, and you need to replace them. Or you can buy the best and cry the first time that you spend the money because of how much you spent and never cry again. I love I, I love, love it that too. quote. <laughs> What's what are some of the other fun ones that? Um, I, I shared with a class just recently, one that he would say regular to me, if you want to make more money, walk faster, talk faster and sit in the front. I like that. I heard it a lot of times when, when I think about not the impact, because I think those quotes are powerful and there's powerful quotes everywhere. But one of the things that really shaped me from them, and I want to start first with, with Shirley, Shirley has this ability to be loving and supportive without a need of recognition and without she, she does it with such positivity and, and blessing people without people ever knowing that it's really coming from her. Um, I, to this day, can't think of a single thing that I've ever heard her ever say negative about anyone. Even times when it's totally clear that there's negative information about someone, somehow she manages to have it be said in a positive way that, you'd have no clue. And, and obviously that can't be, I'm sure there's times where she has negative thoughts, but to have the self-discipline to be only a source of positivity with others, it just endears me to her. Yeah. I, and it makes you know that she would never say anything bad about you because she's not saying bad things about anyone I, else. I love that example. So, so incredible. She's, um, Shirley and I also share the same birthday, July 23rd. And, for the last 20 years since since I met them, I don't think I don't think a year's passed that she hasn't reached out to me, either by letter or by um, phone. Most of the time by phone, and sings happy birthday to me. She's and such a good example. I love. She's so I fun. love it. And and um, Leland, one of the one of the first things he taught me was he said he would regularly tell me, basically to the effect, you don't know if you don't ask or you can't get what you don't ask for. And one of his, one of his love languages is no doubt um, gift giving. And I remember the first time that I was over at their house, he came, he went into his closet and he came back and he handed me this toy motorcycle. And he said, it was a Ducati. I'll never forget. It was a black Ducati and just a little toy car from Walmart. And he handed it to me and said, only the best, <laughs> only the best for the best. 
and and I'd never been given a, a toy before, but it's something that I've still kept to this day that I, of all the things I keep, I, I keep it. And, and the perception of the two of them, I had, um, at that time of my full-time service, I had some, some medical issues and needed to have an emergency surgery. And the mission, um, the mission that I was, I was there in helped arrange things for me to be able to stay at the Anderson's home for a few days. And the Christ-like love and example that, that they showed to me of caring about me, it was, it was remarkable to me. It really, really touched me. And, and not only that, I was, I was probably, I served full time for two years and I was there at about half the time. And I'm sure looking back, I'm sure that I was dressed ratty and, and not, um, I'm sure my shirts definitely weren't ironed. And I'm sure that my collar was three inches too big because <laughs> I probably would have never had an idea that I should have it actually close to my neck. You wanted it to be comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure I looked ratty and it was uh, Shirley and I's birthday coming up and we were sitting in his living room and, and Leland looked at me and he said, you know, I know I was thinking to myself with your birthday coming up, what would a, what would a missionary need at about a year out, about halfway through? And I was thinking, I think he needs a suit. And I didn't even know what to say. He, he sent me to the, the mall in Aberdeen. And when I got there, he had already worked things out with his, his, uh, his person that he had worked with regularly there. And I went there and reluctantly was looking at suits and, um, and the representative there at the mall basically said, he gave me specific instructions to only get you the best. Cry only once. And he took me over, <laughs> he took me over and, and found a suit that I loved. And then he also, um, and after I chose the suit and they tailored it, he said, you're, you're not done yet. Um, he said that you need a tie a belt and some shoes. And I was just overcome with, with emotion, um, not just from the expense of it all, but just in this generous, this extreme generosity. And, and I decided in my mind then, I want to be more like Leland in this way, just without hesitation to be generous, mm -hmm. to give when, when it's not expected, to give liberally without holding back. And it, it impacted me. I remember one time someone said about you that you're generous to a fault. And I think that's totally true. And maybe Leland helped shape that in you. I, I think definitely if there's, if there's anything in me in that way for gift giving and, and generous, I just, I just love it. A, a few years ago, we went and saw the Andersons and I remember we were there at their house and he went into a closet and came back with motorcycles <laughs> for the kids. For our kids. That was really fun. And it really, it really touched me again. And I think if you end up with a motorcycle from Leland Anderson, then you know that you're loved. I just, I just really appreciated it. He also, if I attribute any of my desire for continual self-improvement it absolutely stems from Leland. He came to me regularly 
with new information. He was constantly learning, never settling for anything but the best and always striving to learn more and more. He would hand me cassette tapes and he would just say, here, uh, give this a listen to. And I remember feeling like hesitant, like I wasn't allowed to listen to it or something from any rules that he just say, don't worry, this one's approved. I'm just thinking about if Taylor was here, she'd be like, what are cassette tapes? Yeah, <laughs> but he, I, I just, I just started to learn just constantly. And, and I look at a lot of the things that I read and listen to and study and a desire to never settle. And, and I think that was born into me there as a 19 year old. Um, one of the, uh, the, the second couple I, that I really want to talk about is Ron and Robin Stone. And, and interestingly enough, it was in that I was 20 years old when I met them. And at the time, they were the leaders of, of the mission. They were the leaders of, of this service, full-time service of me for my church. And um, I, I felt like they they had just as profound as impact on me, but in really unique, different ways. Um, incidentally, if you know my oldest Hiram, his middle name is Stone. He's named after both both Ron and Robin, and they he it was interesting. So he was the leader over about two hundred, I think around two hundred full time representatives, and he he had this way of instilling in people that he loved them, even when he didn't know everything about them. He, he would meet people and show love. And when you were with him, you were absolutely certain that you were his favorite person on the planet. And, and what was interesting in, in hindsight, I realized that everyone that interacted with him felt like they were his special person. And, and I was okay with them thinking that because <laughs> it didn't matter that they thought that. I knew it was actually me. You are the special yes, one. Yes, I was, I was certain that I was a special one. And, and I think he did that from being present with those he was with. He's very generous in his, in his words. And there was nothing cookie cutter about the things that he shared. It was, it was very special, very unique. Genuine. Absolutely. I, I felt warmth just, just being around him. And at the time, um, of getting to know them, I realized that a lot like Sister Stone, Robin was very, very kind and considerate, low, low need for the limelight, and, but very strong convictions of, of seeking to do good and- Kindness. Kind and, and love. love, yes. You've, you've felt that every time I, you've met yeah, them. Yeah, I definitely have. We, once a year, there's a, a reunion for them and those that served with them in that, in that capacity. And even though it's a few hours away, I try to prioritize driving down there just for a few minutes to talk to them once a year. And I love that they, they've only met me a few times and they've only met our kids a few times, but they remember us and they remember things about us. And I think that shows love too, just that they're thinking about us and remembering enough time to care and, yeah. and to think about us. He, um, one of the things that, that I loved about his counsel and advice, he taught me 
to not be prescriptive in the advice I give. He had this way of, of giving, he, he would give this advice, but it really wasn't advice. It was never telling me what to do. Even though I desperately wanted him to tell me what to do, yeah. he would never tell me what to do. Yeah. And sometimes... It would have been easier if he told you what to do. Oh, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'd go to him with a very specific question, ask him a question, and then he would share a whole lot of things. And then at the end of what what he said, I felt good about what he said, but I couldn't figure out what in the world it meant to me. And, <laughs> and I'd have to spend the next several days processing what he meant by that. Because I knew good and well that he said what he said on purpose. And it was like a choose your own adventure when I had to take the time to figure out what that meant to me. Yeah. The, um, one of the times that, that he did give something specific really, really shocked me. I asked him once, you know, I really wish, and this was in the context of, of, uh, religious service. I said, I really wish that God would just tell me if he wants me to do this or if he wants me to do that. And I was very specific in my example. And it shocked me when he said, I know what the Lord would say. And I just listened intently like, Can't please, wait. yeah, please, what is it? And he looks at me and he says, the Lord would say yes. <laughs> and and I, it took me a minute to process and I said, no, no, no. It, it can't be yes. I, I asked it's a, either or. Yes, I asked an either or question. And he's like, it would be yes. He would have you do both. And and it was one of the first times where the power of the and made a lot more sense to me than the power of or. Or forces these trade-offs or these false dichotomies that may or may not be true. But when he really looked at me and said, yes, and this and this. That's powerful. Then it, then it caused me creativity. Then it unlocked this ability for me to actually think through it and say, yeah, how, how can I accomplish both? Why does it have to be one? And that, that is echoed in business for me in in personal relationships. I don't even know if he realized, I, I doubt he would even recall that, but it made a difference to me that, that was profound for me. Yeah. The, um, I got to tell you one, one more story that, that always impressed me. He, he said once to me, we were driving somewhere and he said, you know, I've learned to just say yes. And, and I didn't know what it was kind of seemed out of the blue to me. I'm sure it's very specific reason. And maybe it was for years later, but he said, you know, when I was the president of a, of a large advertising agency, sometimes people would come to me with just bad ideas. And early in my career in leadership, I would look at people and say, no. And then I would give the perfectly explainable reason of why not. And he said, what ended up happening is people would leave having a sense of resentment that I said no. And then they would spend their time on working hours to try to prove why I was wrong and have more resentment towards me to have less of a, of rapport with them. He said, I made it a point to always say yes, if I could, even if I thought it was a bad idea. He said, if, if I said yes, what ended up happening is people would end up leaving. They would give it a try. And most of the time it would fail. But 
they spent their time learning why it failed and how not to do it again and became a greater asset for the organization in the future. And they felt loved. Totally. They felt loved. They felt supported. And they also had that kind of relationship. Yeah. And so he said, he said, most of the time they'd find out it was a bad idea, but I never said, I told you so because they learned and they became a greater asset. And he said, and then there were plenty of times where it turns out they were right. (laughs) And then when they were right, then we benefited from them growing and, and improving whatever it was in their capacity. And so I've, I've tried to make it a point to at least get better at that. I think, I think that's something I'm still kind of working through students, students, especially often come to me and, um, and they'll ask me, what my thoughts are about mentors. Sometimes, sometimes people will, um, will stop by and, and, uh, and say, Reg, I was wondering if you would be my mentor. And, and with great love before saying yes, which I always do, I, I normally ask what, what does being a mentor mean to you? What would that mean to you? Because the word mentor means so many things to so many people. And, and so if a mentor means to you that we meet every day and we go over your plan and I give you advice every day, I can't be your mentor. But if, if being a, a mentor means something different to you and we can work out what that could mean to you, I would be pleased to be a mentor to you. And so I, even though I, I'm using the word mentor regularly right now, I actually don't love that word. Um, seldom, seldom. I I think that both of my greatest mentors, I don't think that they necessarily associate themselves as being my mentor. I've never called them and said, Hey, you're my mentor. I, I know that they know that I respect them greatly and they continually bless me in that way. But I wanted to give some practical advice of, of what I've found to be some best practices as well as a challenge that I'm extending mostly to myself and holding myself accountable and inviting to you that are listening to this, which is I recommend regularly that uh, I want to talk about the power of a personal board of directors. You know, companies regularly have boards of directors where they have these decision makers that aren't involved in day-to-day business, but they spend time understanding and giving an outside perspective that benefits the organization. And I think there's great power in having a personal board of directors. I've, uh, my friend Mark Morris has talked about this before, and I've loved this concept. Basically, the idea is I want to inter- introduce or identify three to five individuals who, who have love for me, and they're individuals who care about my success, but they're not in the day-to-day world of mine. The, the difficulty in identifying three to five people on your personal board of directors that's intimately involved in your daily life is that you introduce this extreme bias where they're, they're so sucked into your world that they either give you advice. That's already what you want. You know, one of the quotes that I've always loved about advice is advice is something that you ask for when you already know the answer, but wish you didn't. And sometimes uh, these people that are in your daily life, they know what you're hoping to hear. And so they just share it. Um, but if you can identify three to five individuals that you'd like to be on your personal board of directors who, who love and respect you, but aren't in your day to day, um, individually contact these people and say, let them know that you highly respect them and you, 
and you seek you, you, that you trust them and see if they would be interested in being a part of an ongoing discussion to help you in your growth and your progress. And what I mean by this is typically I would say that you should initiate the call and it should be over the phone or in person, if at all possible to, to set this up, uh, I'd say email would be next best and text would be the least. Um, but contact these people and say, Hey, you know, I would like to, I'd like to, I'd like to see if it would be possible for us to visit once a quarter for 15 to 30 minutes. And I'd like to be able to provide you with some of the questions that I'd like to ask in my continual learning. And I'd like to report back to you on what I've accomplished and seek additional info. And prior to that visit with, with your, with your personal board of directors member, send them, send them an itinerary of what you plan to talk about. You know, if you can have that two or three days ahead of time, remind them about your scheduled call, send them the questions and the areas that you want to visit about so that in the back of their mind, if time allows for them, they can be considering what it is that you want to visit about. And you can have that much more added value from those discussions. How uh, familiar does this person need to be with you? I would say that this individual, you need to greatly respect them and, and trust them with real information. Mm -hmm. And they definitely need to know you but they don't need to be involved in your day-to-day -day life to be in right. an effective role here. So for instance, um, with, with uh, Ron and Robin, I talk to them about once a year and with the Andersons, uh, probably also about once a year. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I have to interject here. Sometimes we're hesitant to schedule times with those people that we respect the most in this way because we're worried that we're going to be an, an annoyance to them. And, and I suppose that there's some listeners that, that hear this and say, Oh, I, I never feel like that. I reach out to mine all the time. <laughs> and maybe for those people, maybe you need to cut back. Um, but if you can, if you can identify and say, if these are people that love me and care about my success for them to invest, you know, let's say 15 to 30 minutes once a quarter, or let's say 30 to 45 minutes once every six months or 45 minutes to an hour once a year. Mm -hmm. If these are people that love and care about your success, that expectation if set properly and, and specifically from the get go can allow for, for some goodness in, in routine and schedule. I would also say that when having these calls, it's important that you be mindful of time. Be mindful of the time in the sense that if you committed that it would only be a 20 minute call, when you near that 18 minute mark, mention I have a couple of more minutes and I wanted to ask you one last thing, right? Right. Be generous with your, with your thanks and in proper and end promptly. Even if the individual says, oh no, no, I've, I've got more time. Remind them that that was what, what you had asked them to commit to and you'd like to, to keep a pattern of that and then schedule a time for that next appointment right there while you're on the call or in person, schedule that time out so that you can have that both on your calendars and then take the time in your phone to put in a outlook reminder to say, Hey, I'm two weeks ahead of time. This is when I'm going to send a reminder, make sure that time's still okay. And here's the itinerary and the questions that, that produces powerful, insights and, and ongoing relationships that can be formalized in a way that helps them 
contribute to your overall success and, and also allows you to be able to take action based on these people that mean so much to you. I would say directly following these calls, I would say the very first thing I would do after I get off the co- if, after I get off the call or in my visit, I would take some time to write a handwritten note that was very specific in some of my gratitude for what they advised and what they coached me on. And I would send that in the mail that day. If, if it's possible to send a, a, a small, simple gift along with that card, but I would do this every time show, show gratitude for, for what this means to you, to them and, and have that be something that strengthens the relationship. I, I become, and I was fearful to have this episode because I felt nervous about even thinking about the impact that these mentors have had to me because they mean so much more to me than they have any clue. There's, there's no way that these two couples have any idea how much they've shaped my, my career, my, my successes and our family, our family, my children, those that I get to coach and mentor, they have no clue. Anytime that I ever receive a compliment about one of these characteristics that one of these two couples has and shows regularly, I, every time that compliment comes to me, I think to my mind, I don't always say it out loud, but I think to myself, if you had any clue how powerful my mentor has been in shaping this, you would know whatever compliment you wanted to put on me is a fraction of what your life would be like if you were connected to this individual the way I've been. And, and so if, if it turns out that um, either the Andersons or the Stones hear this, I hope, I hope you know just the impact that, that you have and that I can honestly say there isn't a single day of my life that I'm not impacted by you. Not a single day. And for those of you that, that listen to this and you have mentors and individuals that have made that kind of profound impact on you, why don't you tell them? Tell them today. Reach out to them. Tell them how much they mean to you. Tell them the impact you made. I, I commit publicly on this, on this podcast that I'm going to take the time. I, I've been very informal in, in following through with this counsel that I give regularly to people about this personal board of directors um, out of fear of not wanting to take away their time. And, and I think I'm, I'm choosing at this moment to do away with that, that negative, um, kind of self-talk. And I, I commit to reach out to both the Andersons and the Stones to set up a time for me to be able to meet with them and to, to ask them a series of questions that have been on my mind that are near and dear to my heart at this stage of my life. Uh, you know, as a, as a balding 40 year old (laughs) man, handsome, um, handsome. Oh yes. Thank you. You're good for my, you're good for my (laughs) self-esteem. Um, but to be able to reach out to them and, and if it's okay with them and if it would benefit any of you, I would feel comfortable seeing if they would be okay with me recording the conversation that I have with them and, and maybe integrating some of, of the questions that I'm asking my mentors 
and recording some of their responses if they're comfortable with that. That would be great. So I will, and, and one of them, uh, let, let's see. So the Andersons live in, in Vancouver area and, and the Stones live in Utah. And I would like to, I'm going to reach out to see how I can physically meet with them. Cool. I would like it to not just be over the phone. I would like to see them and, and I'll see if I can bring my fancy recording information and be able to record them. I'm, I don't know how, I don't know how that call will, those visits will go, but I know it'll be something that I treasure forever, especially to have that yeah. recorded in such a beautiful way. So I, I want to, um, I want to thank you for listening. I, I feel incredibly humbled and grateful that, that you take the time to listen to this. I spend, I spend the whole week thinking through what I think is a value and making sure that, that I'm giving you my best out of my love to you. Whether I know you or not, I can assure you that I have love for you and that I care about your success and your well-being. or I wouldn't spend the time to, to record and, and do this. And I hope, I hope you find value and love. This concludes our, our episode. Much love. See you soon. Bye.